yeah, we just had a little fun with this one. Um, I'm not supposed to say it's an actual thought I had. I was just having some fun one day. Um, but no, this was actually, um, it was just um, an idea that came to me one night, and I actually started the song by myself, which I rarely do anymore, because I don't really have time to write alone. And when I do, those songs normally don't end up going anywhere. I never take them to anyone, I never bring them up. And the next day, I was like, oh, there's something with this one, there's something with it. So I was with my friends. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Happy October. Another Whiskey Weeks is in the books. It's kind of sad, and it's also sad to see how some of my uh, favorite teams are doing. I'm just not going to dwell on it. We're going to move forward. we got another great episode for you this week. We have a brand new expert that's uh, coming on board for Tasting Notes to talk tailgating foods and some pairings there. And for our conversation, we talk with Dallas Remington, who's got a pretty cool new single out now. It's a fun chat. And remember, if you missed any of our past episodes, check us out on your favorite podcast player. Go to our YouTube page, our Facebook page, and remember to follow us on all the social media uh, so you never miss a thing. But like I said, we bring a new face in for tasting notes. Allison Settle, an amazing chef, talks tailgating and some awesome pairings. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us here for Tasting Notes is her first appearance, but not her first appearance on any of our podcasts. She was previously on Hops and Spirits Kentucky, but she's making her debut here on Bar Conversations. She's a 2022 James Beard Best Chef semifinalist, and you can find her pop-up events around Greater Louisville. Allison Settle, welcome in. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, talking food because, you know, we talk so much about drinks on, on, on these shows that... You know what? But everyone loves a good bit of food to go along with that drink. So Absolutely. what better way to do it than talk to a chef that knows all about that? <laughs> sure. I'm here to help. Always here so, to help. So now it's October and, you know, we're look, looking at fall weather, football games, sporting events, things like that. And a lot of people like to go tailgating, whether that's at a friend's house or maybe even at the game. So with that in mind... Obviously, people might take an adult beverage with them, um, you know, whether that's a beer or a seltzer or a bourbon. I know they, they get they get carried away. Um, but what what are some good food combinations for those types of, of things? If you're going to go to like a tailgate and you're, you're drinking beer, certain things I feel like probably taste better than than others while, while you drink that beer. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and it's not just about bourbon. It's not just about beer. There's all kinds of things that people like to put together, um, especially if you're going to be out in the sun tailgating for hours on end. You don't necessarily want to start the morning off with, you know, a bourbon neat. Um, maybe you want to start a little more slowly, get some food in your belly and then work your way up. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking a lot about um, seltzers recently. I mean, obviously those are become really, really popular. Um, a lot of people, this isn't real, but a lot of people are like, oh, I can have my alcohol and drink water at the same time. Um, so it feels a little bit healthier. It's a little bit lower ABV. So it is kind of a safe choice. Um, my personal favorite um, brand is High Noon. Um, it's a it's a vodka-based seltzer. It doesn't have that uh, grain alcohol like aftertaste for me. Um, and so I think it's a lot more clean and able to pair with foods a lot better. And they have a really great pineapple flavor, which I think would be perfect for Mexican food. And everybody loves to bring, you know, tacos or salsas and all kinds of chips and dips to that tailgating session. So I think that one would be a great pairing. And then something I've been wanting to try recently is mixing a peach seltzer with uh, like a iced tea or a sweet tea and kind of making this like southern peach seltzer situation which would drop the abv down even more and give you a little bit of caffeine on top of it so it's good for an all-day session uh, <laughs> which i really I like that i like that <laughs> um and then Bourbon, I mean, obviously, like, smoky meats, like, I feel like tailgating really lends itself to bourbon. Um, sausages, you know, barbecue, steaks, all those kinds of things really, really work. Um, 
And something I've been thinking about wanting to do recently, I just got a new smoker for myself, a personal smoker. And um, uh, something I've been really thinking hard about is a bourbon pastrami. So something that would be really easy to do. Um, you'll just get like a chuck roast or a brisket. Brisket is preferable, but, you know, really kind of any kind, like long cooking type of meat would work. Um, and just have a regular pastrami brine. I love um, coriander, black pepper. I love to put sorghum um, in that brine as well. Um, and I think just throwing in a couple of cups of bourbon in there too, so that really soaks up that flavor would be fantastic. And um, it's really easy to find, at least in this area, it's really easy to find some old used bourbon barrel staves. And that would be a really, really fun way to smoke a meat. So at the end of the day, you have this brine, salty, um, crusted in pepper and coriander meat that's been um, soaking in bourbon, and then you're going to smoke it with those barrels. And I think it would be a really, really fantastic um, dish to put out. And on top of that, like pastrami can be eaten so many different ways. You can just have a slab of it, make a sandwich. Um, heck, you could shred it and turn it into a dip if you wanted to. So those are some of my favorites for bourbon. And then with beer, hear me out. This is not a, this is not a <laughs> I'm new, intrigued. this is not a new idea, but, um, I really love, um, old, like super banger dishes that like everybody's familiar with, everybody has eaten them before. And usually people like them, but sort of reinventing it and turning it on its head. Um, just a little bit. It's just you know, an approachable but um, more elevated version of something that you love since childhood. So a cheese ball mm. for beer. So think about, um, so I'm thinking like a really light beer, like a PBR, which is something that lots of people are Miller High Life, something like that. Lots of people bring those to their tailgates. Um, I've been thinking about making, um, you can get uh, Havarti cheese, shred it and kind of just mold it together with uh, cream cheese or um, goat cheese even if you wanted to and kind of mix that with some dill, maybe a little bit of garlic and top it with Kentucky paddlefish caviar. So you have this dilly almost uh, like it's almost like a caviar spread for your tailgating um, situations, which I think could be really fun. And then if you're into more craft style beers, like a lambic, like a fruity sour beer, uh, I think something really special would be uh, a goat cheese um, mm -hmm. with nuts and maybe some some fruit, some like a compote or a jam. And then, I mean, you could go really hardcore and just do like a jalapeno popper, like bacon situation and serve that with your favorite dark beer. I mean, really the possibilities are endless. I think if you can get it out to a tailgate, you should eat it. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's like game time food or anything like that. If it's something that you like to share, something you're good at, just do it. No, I'm very hungry. I'm very <laughs> hungry. And, and, you know, for those that are like worried about cooking with, you know, a beer or whiskey or, or liquor in general, what, what is maybe something they just need to watch for when, when they're doing that, that, that might happen? You know, I, you can, you can go too hard, especially with the, with the liquors. Um, you know, if you're going to use bourbon, I would, I would really recommend that it either be, like I said, in a marinade. So it's something that's going to be cooked out later, or, um, you can turn it into a, a, put bourbon in a glaze or something like that. Just make sure if you use any hard liquors that you're kind of cooking it out. Cause otherwise you're just going to get this like, um, you know, alcoholic gas with every, with every bite and that you're not getting the flavor of the alcohol of the, you know, the base flavor of the alcohol at that point. So make sure you're cooking hard alcohols out. And then as far as like beer is concerned, I, I really think that you can, that's just to taste. It's not so, um, hard and so, not so vaporous as a hard liquor that you need to like really cook it out. I mean, if anything, you just want to make sure that you're not using so much that it alters the texture of the food that you want to eat. I love it. I love it. And I can't wait to see what else we talk about as we go along here in the fall with you, Allison. And, and thanks for dropping a, a little bit of knowledge in and giving some folks some new ideas to maybe go to the tailgate with. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Enjoy those games, guys. Safety first. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations, he's a country singer, songwriter, 
Kentucky native. Now she's living down in Nashville. Please welcome in Dallas Remington. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us and, you know, share a drink with us. Now, I'm curious to know, are you going with the hard stuff tonight or maybe something a little lighter and a little more I'm fun? Maybe. I'm too crazy without the hard stuff. So I don't do that. <laughs> I drink Sundrop and that's about as hard as I get. So I got my Sundrop <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I was wondering if, if you were working on a Sundrop sponsorship, because I saw all the social media posts. It was in the video. I mean, are you hopeful for that, or did they already sign you up? That would be awesome. Um, it did. It's a huge thing in my hometown. I think it started in southern Missouri, and then it kind of like moved over to North Carolina. But like where I'm from, like Sundrop like used to sponsor all of our like events. Like County Fair looked like it was just a Sundrop Fair, stuff like that. So I have my... Sundrop on, but I also have on my new Dale Jr. Sundrop shirt I just got today, and I had to wear it. So I'm like, no, I'm not sponsored, but I wish I was. I'm just going to be like, I don't know Dale Jr. I'm going to call him and be like, how'd you get this? I need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could just do what they do on TikTok nowadays. You know, keep posting until someone, you know, gets back. You know, day yeah. day 55, they Sundrop. They don't have TikTok, though. Ah. <sighs> So it's kind of like, they used to like repost my Instagram stuff, but they haven't got on their Instagram in like four years. So it's kind of like, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Cause like their Instagram is still the, uh, remember when they had the commercials with the, the Snoop Dogg song, drop it like it's hot. Yeah. Yes. That's still like all over their Instagram and that's also old. So I'm like, <laughs> what are we going to do here? We got to get this figured out. Cause this needs to happen. <laughs> That is kind of sad. You would think a big enough brand would, would be doing that. I, I will say, though, I'm going a little bit harder tonight, although I'm not doing my normal. Normally, I just pull out some whiskey, but I felt like uh, I do a little whiskey lemonade, a little, little, little uh, lighter on the only 10% ABV, so I figured I'd behave <laughs> myself, too, tonight. <laughs> so now you, you enjoy going in the outdoors, I believe. I've seen rafting, four-wheeling, kayaking, yeah. you name it. Is that your happy place? Yeah, yeah, I really love being outdoors um, between if I have, like, a time to not be doing something, I'm either outdoors and I go do stuff with my brother, or I like to cook a lot, too. So it's, like, either in the kitchen or outdoors are my happy places, besides, you know, being on stage. Well, I was going to say, you got to have something to, yeah. you know, for for the downtime to, exactly. to, to decompress and, and, and have a little bit of fun, considering that it's kind of your day job is the stage <laughs> in the studio. Exactly, exactly. See, I love um, my brother and I, we used to go um, every weekend if we could, we would go on a rafting trip or like a kayaking trip. We'd either, I'd go home or he'd meet me in the middle somewhere between here and Nash or Nashville and home and stuff like that. So we uh, we tried to do that as often as possible. And then anytime I go, like I just got back home from Maine out west and a whole bunch of us songwriters went on a whitewater rafting trip. And I'm like, I just would love to live in a place where I could do this kind of stuff all the time. Like, that's just, <laughs> oh my gosh, so much fun. Love it. Well, and that, that's where, like, before I moved to, to, to Lexington, Kentucky, I lived in southern West Virginia, you know, oh. near, near the New River Gorge. I, though, never personally can go on a rafting trip. I'm, I'm a horrendous swimmer, got a whole lot of fears on that, but my wife loves it, and she loves, you know, flipping out of it and, you know, mm -hmm. have, having a, a grand old time. But that, I did kayaking in the Red River Gorge, uh, I guess it's been a year or two now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not going back. Mm -mm. Nope, <laughs> nope. C capsized a couple times. Nope. We saved the cooler, but, uh, yeah, my, my abilities are out the door. <laughs> I get that. See, I'm the one, I always flip and... The thing with, like, where my brother and I normally go kayaking, like, we have a, it's a river that runs through our family farms, but it ain't, I mean, it's it's not a river. It's less than a creek. <laughs> so, my dad's like, I don't understand why y'all do this, because we'll go for, like, eight hours at a time, and we're we're dragging the kayaks for a good five hours of the three, of the eight. <laughs> like, it's, it's dragging, and I will, like, my brother knows how to get through those, and I'll be like, I got it, I got it. I flip that thing, like, 12 times a day. Like, I'm always flipping, so, and I find that fun. Um, I don't think it would be fun if, like, you know, I got swept away or whatever, but, you know, luckily, I've never been in a place where I'm going to, if I fell out, I would get swept away, except, like, when I go rafting on the big trips, but at those points, I'm like, okay, we have a guide that's literally trained to save my life if something <laughs> happens, so I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's a, it's a good philosophy. Now, if you put me in some place where I can pretty much, you know, barely get wet, I might be able to go kayaking again. Maybe that's you where I You would like to start. kayak with us. Yeah. You don't really get wet yeah, unless maybe. you let me. <laughs> ah, I like it. I like 
<laughs> I like it. Now, I, you know, where you grew up in, in Kentucky, you grew up outside of Paducah or around Paducah. Is that mm, right? Yeah. So real far Western. Yeah. So, and, and I know just growing up where I did in, in Appalachia as well in West Virginia, you have a unique talent of directions, but I'm wondering, are your directions like you go down to the big wood fire, wood, wood pile, make a left and then a right by the tractor that's out front. Is that your directions or are you a little better than that? I think I'm a little better than that. Um, you know, I don't really like using a GPS, um, at all if I'm going anywhere. Um, and like, I've gotten to where like Nashville, it's a little different. Sometimes you have to use one, but I've gotten to where I can pretty much get anywhere in Nashville without ever having to use a GPS. Um, but I mean like, my mama and I drove out to Montana last year, and I only turned the GPS on, like, twice, and that was because we needed to find a specific hotel we were staying at. Like, I like being able to just, like, read the road signs and go where you're supposed to go, you know, and um, just do it all by, like, common sense. Like, we're going to Montana. We need to go north <laughs> northwest. Let's just keep going northwest, and we'll see a sign. You know, I like doing that kind of stuff. So, But I always was the um, – my dad, it's so funny – he really is not good with directions at all. So anytime we go on any kind of trip, and still to this day, we will have, he'll have his phone going. He'll demand I have my phone going with a GPS. He has his um, Garmin. Then he'll have whatever GPS is built into the car going. He'll have an Atlas, and he will still print off the MapQuest directions. To this day, we will have six or seven different versions of directions going. And I'm like, why? You get on the interstate and you drive till you see the next sign. But my daddy has to have all that. And so I think that's why I'm so, like, anti-GPS and anti-this. I'm just like, I was sitting there having to read, in 300 feet, you're going to turn right, like, all the time. And it just drove me nuts. I'm like, just... You were the original GPS. (laughs) Exactly. You were the original GPS. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, does your dad actually use the directions? Because, like, my dad will be like, I'll tell him, like, when he's leaving here, I'm like, if you make this turn and this turn, it'll shave off, like, 10 minutes. He goes, that's not what GPS is telling me. I'm going yeah, this my way. my dad's like, well, very that, much. That's... And that's the thing, like, he started staying a lot with me here in Nashville, so he knows I know my way around, so he'll call me. And I'm like, you're just going to end up using your GPS anyways. Why are you asking me? Like, I don't, like, <laughs> I could tell you how to get there, but just turn on your GPS, especially because, I mean, like, I know everyone around here used to be obsessed with Waze, and that it was supposed to be, like, the shorter route whatever, whatever you want to use, but, um, like you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna get lost if you're trying to do it by memory, just use your GPS and, and go for it. But he still gets lost. He doesn't listen very well. (laughs) I think that could be a guy thing. We, 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 we all have that problem Mm -hmm. now. Now you grew, you know, you know, speaking of family, how important is, is family to you? Cause I know your, your dad, you know, is in one of your biggest videos here recently, and we'll get talked about the song here in a little bit, but just how important is family? Because I know there, there's a lot of connections to your music through through your family. Yeah, my family is like, I mean, they're the most important thing in the world to me. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without my family's support, without them being here right beside me. You know, my mom is my my manager. She's my roadie. She's my stylist. Like my family's in this 100% with me, and so I know I could not do this without them. So my family's just the most important thing to me and you know they're not they don't get to come down here very often so anytime I have even like less than 24 hours that I'm not doing anything I go home to be with them you know I um they're just they're my rock and you know I have a big brother and he's got a little boy and so you know it's just like that's my my people and they I couldn't do this life without them I couldn't do music I couldn't do anything I want to do without them so um yeah family's the most important thing in the world to me and uh, if I'm, I'm correct, your grandma played a big role in kind of getting you into music or kind of getting this all going. Is yes. that right? Yes. Yeah. So we call her Ma Paul. She doesn't like grandma and she doesn't like any other name. She's Ma Paul. My brother came up with that when he was little. And um, she'll go up to random people and she'll just be like, I'm Ma Paul. I'm like, okay, you're okay. <laughs> but um, I've got a few she, of those in the family. Got a few yeah. of those. Yep. Well, she... Um, you know, my brother obviously is my best friend. I mean, we're, you know, as anytime we're together or anytime I get to go home or whatever, we're inseparable. Like he's my best friend and always has been. And so we're six years apart, but everyone would have probably thought we were twins or like closer because we were always together. 
Um, and even though he was six years older than me, I was taller than him up until he was 16. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, uh, he ended up moving away, um, when I was nine, um, he's a soccer player. So he moved away to a boarding school for soccer, um, when he was 15. And so I was really lonely and I didn't, I was playing soccer and I was still going to, um, a little, uh, private school back home, but I really didn't have any friends didn't have much to do and anything like that. And so my, uh, my ma Paul, she saw an ad in the paper um, for Mr. Clay over at our local Opry was offering guitar lessons. And she's like, well, Dallas has always liked to sing. Why doesn't she go start taking lessons from Clay and see what happens with it? And so um, I started taking lessons and I started singing in their um, talent contest. And uh, when you were, when you would win your week in your age division of the talent contest, they'd post a video of you on YouTube and I won my week, and a producer in Nashville saw that video. And when I was 11, invited me to start coming to Nashville, playing his shows, booking me for some TV things, some live performances. And it just, you know, all started from Ma Paul seeing an ad in the paper. So I literally, I know, I feel like I probably would have found my way to music, but I would not have found my way as quickly. Um, and, you know, she, for the first six years, when we were doing the first, Dallas Remington full band shows and me traveling around. She was my merch woman and she went to every show with us. Like it wasn't until I moved to Nashville that she didn't get to start. She wasn't getting to go to as many things, but anytime she can, she goes to the shows still. And she's still our merch woman and still our biggest, biggest fan. And Ma Paul, I love her and I credit, I couldn't do any of it. You know, I wouldn't have done any of it if it hadn't been for her. Uh, it's amazing to see sometimes how those little things become big things later on in life when, when you start to look back. And now, do you still, I, I believe you, you played your mom's guitar kind of first, mm-hmm. but then do you still have your first guitar that was actually yours? Still? <laughs> yes, actually. So when I was like four, my uncle and his wife got me um, a little Barbie guitar. So I still have that. That's hanging on a hook in my be- childhood bedroom back in Kentucky. But after I graduated from my mama's guitar, I bought a purple Oscar Schmidt. And I still have that guitar. It's in a case in Kentucky. And then I went upgraded from that to a Taylor. And then um, my third guitar was actually my most important guitar I've ever bought. Um, I ended up... I have a uh, limited edition Martin that I just happened upon in a guitar store. Um, they didn't even know what they had. Like, they had it registered <laughs> as something else, and I was like, no, that's super special. And um, the reason I brought it up is because, once again, going back to family, um, my granddaddy actually passed away um, when I was um, about to be one. And when he passed away, he left all of us kids um, some money to go towards our first cars. And when I was... 13 I was in a guitar store and I found that guitar and I remember calling my Paul and I was like do you think Paul would be okay with me spending my car money on this guitar and she was like I think he'd love that more than anything in the world so that's the most important thing I've ever bought in my life and it um I actually keep it in my vault as I call it (laughs) but you know so I keep all my guitars I've only ever sold one guitar and that was that Taylor I bought second and I cried all the way home. I never played the thing because after I got the Martin I never played it and I ended up trading it for another one and I was like what did I just do? Why did I sell that guitar? And mom's like because it was just sitting there but my guitars are like my children so that was that was I felt like a terrible mom that day. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay it's okay you're you're fine you're okay I'm I'm sure don't don't beat yourself up too bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You let it let it be used, played. That's 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 just being a good good parent, letting it letting it go. Exactly. And, 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 let now, it fly. You know, exactly, exactly. Now, you know, obviously, you had some influences from from your family. Maybe growing up in Kentucky, what as well. But what were some of your musical influences? Maybe outside of of the family that you know you grew up on and listened to, and maybe still to this day listen to. Yeah. So, well, obviously, my family is very. Um, Western Kentucky rednecks so we we listened to country music um, and I grew up on country and gospel but uh, when I was 15 I uh, went over to our local music store and I ended up joining um, a couple of their student bands and I um, fell in love with all kinds of music obviously I had been exposed to like you know southern rock as well as 
um, along with country. But when I was 15, I ended up joining a metal band. And that changed my world. I am obsessed <laughs> with like more like classic metal, like Metallica and, um, you know, even like the, my brain's not working today. Just like we, what we did was we would take classic rock songs and we would make them metal. So like we do like an even more like metal version of like Sweet Child of Mine and things like that. So I was obsessed with that and I love Black Sabbath. So I'm just like, that was a whole new world to me. Um, especially growing up Southern Baptist and Pentecostal. That was just like, what are you listening to in there, child? And so I'll never forget when I, uh, I discovered um, Avenged Sevenfold and my mom heard that and she was like, what, what, what? what is this? And I was like, it's just great. It's just great. That's what it is. And she's like, yeah, that's not Leonard Skinner. And I'm like, no, it ain't. But yeah. So I got into that um, harder rock, little metal thing, but that's kind of come over into my music now because I do a lot of more like rock riffs um, in my playing. And I do kind of have that gravelly, screamish kind of thing sometimes. So, you know, it's, it's found a way to marry into the whole Loretta Lynn um, Patsy Klein country that I know and love and like have grown up with and grown up playing, you know. I was going to say, how do you blend those two together? I feel like they might not exactly, you know, come, come so together smoothly, but I feel like it could work. It, can, it, and it, can it does, work. actually, for us. Um, for me, I play a lot in drop D, which is a big thing in metal. Um, so you get that like darker, like deeper thing. Obviously, with my accent, I'm going to sound more like Loretta Lynn. Um, but then, for some reason, like one day I was doing a show, and I was about to lose my voice. And I got like this really growly thing going on. And I was like, what is that? And um, voice came back, and I was like, I would just like to try to figure out how to learn to do that. So over the past few years, I've actually kind of learned how to control that and learn how to use that normally without being like sick or whatever and so we kind of you know it's got a little bit in you know my super country songs I still add those in there just like little bits it's not like the whole time we're screaming at you um but it kind of just adds a new layer and it's kind of like whoa we weren't expecting that so maybe one day we'll do a full-on screamo song but right now we're just <laughs> we're adding it into the the country to make it just a little different well, I was going to say, I, I talked to, to Manny Blue recently and, and, and some others that are, you know, that country, alternative country is a thing. Mm -hmm. It's out there. It's a lot of rock influence and, you know, there's genres blending. So it's not like it's completely out of the norm. And some yeah. people should should probably be go, going, oh, I, I like that, you know, as they yeah. as they dive deeper into that, that kind of sound. Yeah. Like one of my favorite bands is um, Cody Parks and the Dirty South and their country metal and y'all I gosh they're my favorite like I go to concerts a lot but I will like go see them anytime I can like they're one of my favorite shows to watch and it's just because it's they literally say they're Def Leppard on cornbread and that's that's what it is and I'm obsessed with it so we're not that rocking but we're we're up there compared to like Loretta we're up there but we're not you know Manny Blue and Cody Parks level yet <laughs> on the metal part <laughs> You're working on it. You're, you, you'll get there. You'll you, you'll find your your lane there as well. And but you did release a, a cover of Inner Sandman. How much fun was that to to put together and then actually be able to you know put it out there? Yeah. So that was actually one of the songs I used to play in the metal band when I was 15. So that was when I was first introduced to that song. I had never heard it, never heard of Metallica, and I fell in love with that song. And surprisingly enough, my mama fell in love with that song. That's one of her favorite songs of all time. She had never heard it either. Like, that's not what she grew up with at all. Um, and so we've always just loved that song. We've always drove around jamming to it. And every once in a while, I would just like to kill time or like do like a little morph. I would start playing that main riff on acoustic and, um, you know, never really sang it out because I was like, that's really weird to add into a country song or what, or a country set. And we were having um, a meeting with someone here in Nashville about a year ago on a Zoom. And he, um, he was like, you know, Dallas, you've been in Nashville for, for so long. He's like, I know I've been following you, but at that point, you've I had only released seven singles. He's like, you need to start releasing a whole bunch more songs, or maybe maybe it was more than seven. It was like seven or nine, like something. I hadn't released a ton of singles. And he's like, and I know you've been here. I've been watching you, but you need to be releasing more music. He's like, so 
release songs that, you know, you might not be singing out live anymore, or do this or do that, and he's like, but you definitely need to be releasing covers, and release some covers that you, people wouldn't expect of you. And he's like, different genres, like to bring in the followings from other genres, different things like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I had band practice the next day, and just in passing, I mentioned to everybody, I said, hey, we're going to start doing some like live acoustic covers. Um, so let's think of some out there songs. And my Dobro player, completely as a joke, he goes, and here comes Dobro driven Inner Sandman. And I was like, why hadn't I thought of this? And so I was like, we're doing it. We're doing it. And less than a month later, we had recorded it, released it. Um, and it's one of my favorite things. And now it makes sense for us to play it in our sets. Like I do it solo, which is, it doesn't come over as well solo, but our full band shows, I just let the guys go. I'm like, you don't have to play the country version. You can play the actual version. Just go for it. And it's our favorite part of the entire set because we're just having fun, you know? I was going to say, and that's what, at the end of the day, that's what, it, what it's all about. And I think that that's what people want to see. They're, if you're enjoying it, they're probably going to enjoy it as well. And you, you mentioned going to Nashville and being in Nashville for a while. Like, <clears throat> what was it like moving down there and, and mm-hmm. kind of going at this, you know, like as a true kind of career, seeing where it can go and, and mm-hmm. you know, leaving Kentucky? Yeah. So, well, I always make the joke that like Nashville was our nearest like mall. So I grew up here all the time. Like we're only, <laughs> I'm only from two hours from here. Um, so I was always in Nashville. So I started playing my first shows here, though, when I was 11, um, which was really cool. But at that point, we were still just driving back and forth. And then it got to a point where closer to, like, being 15, we were driving back and forth multiple times a week. We were, you know, playing until super late and driving home and not getting home before 4 in the morning. My dad would be leaving for work the same time I'd be getting home. Um, and so it kind of just made sense for us to move to Nashville and we got an apartment and started living there part-time so it was kind of like we were already there enough that it didn't feel like you know complete like uprooting or whatever but um I do know that like when I moved we moved a little further into town when I was 16 or a little closer into town when I was 16 and that really did change everything because I didn't really have to worry about you know driving two hours home or driving two and a half hours home or you know, doing this, like I could be there and I could be in the networking situations I needed to be in. And I could just be where people see that I, you know, have moved to be here for this career. So it really did help a lot. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, me being able to I turned 21 so I can actually go in all the venues <laughs> where the music being played because there was very <laughs> select venues that I could actually go into until I turned 21, which is crazy. You'd think in a musician town built around multiple colleges that it would be at least 18 and up, but it wasn't. So when I turned 21, it was just like a complete game changer, not because of being able to party, but just being able to be in the venues with the people playing. So, um, but it's just been, it's been an amazing, amazing place to be. And I'm very grateful for the years I've been here and um, for the friendships I've made and, you know, um, I wouldn't trade living here, moving here for the world. Well, and you know, you've had had success that you know it's it's been growing and building. I, th- I think one of the the biggest ones for you was Uncommon Man. Mm-hmm. What was the re- what was it like for the response to that? Because you know, it was to at an, an, an interesting time in life for yeah. all of us. Uh, <laughs> yes. But you know, what 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 was it like to kind of see that take off and and you know just do its thing and, and the response yeah. you got from it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Uncommon Man has definitely been the biggest song we've had so far um, as far as, like, numbers go. Um, it was our number 41 on the Billboard charts, and then Princess ended up going 40. But, you know, as far as streaming and everything, Uncommon Man has been our biggest well-received song. And that one, it was strictly, and I'm like, I'm very we're very faith-based and I know that was very much a God thing. Um, God got it to the people it needed to be to. Um, and that's how I'm always going to believe that. And I know that, um, for me, it was me putting my faith in knowing it was going to go where it needed to be. Um, that really changed that, that song for me. Cause I know that, and I've only told this story a few times, but the night it came out, I was having what I now know was an anxiety attack. And I was like, why? I'm putting out a song in the middle of a pandemic. I'm doing this. Like, what? 
I'm putting out a slow song. I never release slow songs. Like, what am I doing? And my dad had texted me um, a video, or I texted my dad a video or something, and he texted me back. He's like, why are you awake? And I told him what was going on. He ended up sending me a scripture that's like, it was like, be still and know that I'm there. And so in that moment, I just said, God, let it find its audience. Just let it go where it's supposed to go. And I calmed immediately down, and it did. And the fact that, you know, I let go of my need to be in control all the time, and I let it happen and let it go where it needed to be has always been just like a huge learning curve for me as far as my faith goes. But to see the way that people received that song and the stories that we still get to this day for people telling me about their uncommon men and women in their lives it's truly been the most special song to me and you know I'm just so thankful that it was received like it was and you know um, you know obviously we dedicate it to the essential employees because there's no way we could have gotten through the last couple years without them and so I'm so thankful that I was able to put out a song for them and that the world um, got it where it needed to be and God pushed it and made me calm the crap down and got it where it was supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, in a sense of that, in a, maybe a polar opposite song is the song we're talking before it comes out, but it'll be out well after this, or at least a couple, <laughs> like a week, after, week or so after that, this drops is your newest single. Um, it's can you talk song. a little bit? It is, it is. It's, it's just uh, not exactly how you think it's called steal your dad. Um, I, I, first off, I love the reaction from your, your dad in the video when you played it for him. But can you just talk about this song? Because I feel like you had a little, just a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, we just had a little fun with this one. Um, I'm not supposed to say it's an actual thought I had. I was just having some fun one day. Um, but no, this was actually, um, it was just um, an idea that came to me one night. And I actually started the song by myself, which I rarely do anymore because I don't really have time to write alone. And when I do, those songs normally don't end up going anywhere. I never take them to anyone. I never bring them up. And the next day, I was like, ah, there's something with this one. There's something with it. So I was with my friends Cindy and Nancy, who are two of my favorite co-writers and two of my best friends. And I was like, you know, we only had like an hour to write that day. And I was like, I started something. Y'all can hop on it if you want. If not, just tell me it's stupid so I'll forget it. Like, just tell me it's not worth finishing. And I got through what I had done, and they were like, oh, my gosh, we have to write this song. So <laughs> I was like, okay, um, we'll, we'll try it. So we ended up writing it, and I never thought it would go anywhere. And I posted the first little, like, me, like, lip-singing along to the work tape, which was the guitar was out of tune. I sped up, like I started like super slow and by the end I was going like super fast. I did not sing in key half the time. It was literally just a work tape and that video got 20,000 views instantly. And I was just like, that doesn't really happen for me, especially on music vi videos. Like I had gotten that kind of response to like goofy videos, but never a music video. And I was like, oh gosh. And that was on TikTok too. And I was like, okay, maybe we'll see. So then I posted another video once we finally got it recorded. I was like, we'll just try this one. Let's go for it. I had this gut feeling that that should be the next single. And so I started posting little videos and I had one of me, you know, listening to it in the car. got 75,000 views and I was like, okay. And then came along the video with my dad. And so the thing is, I was really pushing these on TikTok. Like I hadn't even posted any of them to Facebook. Hadn't posted them at all. I was pushing these on TikTok, and I posted the video of me and my dad. And my dad was actually, um, that video had actually been taken the week before. And in that time, he had gone home to Kentucky and then came back. And we were sitting there at dinner, and I posted it. I'd edited it and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, we'll see. I did not get on my phone for the next 12 hours. And in that time, it had gotten 30,000 views. I was like, what's going on and then the next day it went from 30,000 to 200 and something thousand and I was like what is happening here so I was like okay that's cool well then one day I was like I need to post something on Facebook and I didn't think anything about it so I had posted the other one of just me that had gotten some views um, a couple days before and it got like you know 2,000 views or whatever 
And I posted the one of me and my dad, and I said, posted this on TikTok last week, and never expected to get over 200,000 views, but y'all let me know what you think. I'll be gum, that sucker has a million and a half views now. No Your promotion, dad's famous. <laughs> no anything, and my dad's been sitting here going, you just needed me the entire time. He's like, the song you wrote about me blew up. He's like, now the song that has me in the video blew up. He's like, it just needed to be me. But then I can stick it to him a little bit because that one I had posted of just me a couple weeks later blew up too, and it's now at a million and a half views on Facebook. So we got two videos with three million views of this song, and I'm just like, and this goofy song I started at 3 a.m. by myself and thought no one would ever want to hear. And here we are. Blowing up Facebook. Making some Karens mad. But making a lot of people laugh. <laughs> and like I said, it's all about having fun. And when you're having fun, everyone else is. But I feel like sometimes those are the songs. Like I've talked to so many folks on this show. And they're like, yeah, I didn't think I'd put it on the album. But my mm-hmm. producer's like, nah, go ahead and cut it. And next thing you know, it's like the lead, lead or second single mm-hmm. that blows up or... Or whatever. I mean, so does I'm guessing that does happen even for you where, you know, like this song, it's, I will see what happens. It, it could be like one of the million songs in, in Nashville that you you cut and it's stashed away, you know, for yep. for a rainy day or, or, or never gets to see the light of day, but it did yeah. get to see the light of day. <laughs> I definitely had a, I had a feeling with this one because I know that like, and my mom, she gets mad when I tell the story, but like I had played her what I had, and she goes, Dallas, that shit's terrible. She's like, it's hilarious, but that shit's terrible. She's like, no, no. And I, like, I sent it to her after we finished it. I'm like, we had to finish it. We had to. She's like, I love it. I love it. So that night, I mean, it was funny though, because I literally, we had a single that came out the day I wrote that song. And so, and I was writing it the girls who wrote this song with me actually wrote that same single with me. So we were celebrating White Trash Heart coming out and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to take the attention away from White Trash Heart, but I really think I need to post a video of this. Like I just had this like gut feeling and I just learned to listen to my gut, thankfully. (laughs) So here we are. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, this song's going to open a bunch of doors. We'll see. Or you might get a few slammed in your face from a few other people, but that's just a, that's a yeah, different. You no, know, that's, that's just a part totally of it. Different thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like when you talk about you know writing and, and things like that, are you pulling? That one wasn't an experience. We'll leave it there. I we'll did not the steal any dads. I swear. Um, um, but I mean, like, is it from experiences or is an idea that just you know a clever catchy line that kind of comes in? How does it work for you when you're? you know with others or or by yourself writing how does that process go for for you yeah definitely i mean it's a different um it's a different situation for every song um so you know studio dad's a goofy idea that i was like that could go somewhere you know um it was something i just blurted out one day because some girl ticked me off (laughs) you know i was like i don't know um i would have never acted on it you know i was like but i'm gonna write it in a song i'm a songwriter um but then, you know, like White Trash Heart, that came from personal experience. Me realizing that I'd had this white trash person buried in me my entire life. And I'm attracted to men in overalls and I can't help it, you know. So we wrote it in a song. Sorry I said that right as you took a drink, too. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, and then, you know, obviously Uncommon Man's very personal. Um, that was about me and my co-writer's dads. Um, so... It, I do pull a lot from personal, um, you know, either experiences or thoughts I've had um, because I'm a huge advocate that um, music is therapy. So whether it's for the person listening or for the writer. So I have a lot of songs that the world will never hear, but they help me get through a lot of situations. But I'm also the person that, like my buddy Robert, he knows that if we're sitting there, like I try not to be on my phone when I'm around people, you know, I try to be, have fun and be in the moment. And my buddy Robert has now has come to realize, and he points it out too. If I pull my phone out of my pocket while we're talking, that means somebody has said something that I'm gonna put in a song. And so like, he started just stopping talking to look at me and going, "What did I say? Like, what are you writing down right now?" And I'm like, "Just, just wait." Um, so I get a lot of what, a lot from what different people around me have said. You know, um, 
which I think is cool. And <laughs> we do have the people that come out and they're like, but why didn't we get credit? It's like, because you didn't write it yourself. <laughs> but, you know. And you were so inspiration, from, not the, the actual writer. You were inspiration. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I get it from a lot of different places. Um, and, you know, I'm a very big music person. So sometimes I just start with a musical idea and then the lyrics will find itself. So I actually started one today that I just like really loved a melody I came with and I just threw some lyrics to it. It'll probably never go anywhere. I don't know where it's going right now because it likes a while. But, you know, it's just, I just find whatever the idea is in the room, whether I bring it or one of my co-writers brings it or whatever it is, and we try to find the best one and give it, let the song say what it's supposed to say. Well, and there, there's something too. I, 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 like I said, I getting to talk to some folks, you know, sometimes couple years later you go back to it you maybe change up a little bit of a verse or two find the right words and next thing you know you've got your next single and you've been putting out a lot of music here lately so are we keeping on the single train all the way through the year we got an ep coming album what what are we looking at what can you tell me not get in trouble well we're doing so last year at the end of the year i decided i was going to release a single every month um for 2022 so we have four well, still your dad's out. Um, we have three more singles coming um, for the rest of the year. Um, they're all full production. I will say that. What we have been doing is doing every other single was live acoustic. Um, but we've got, we're ending the year with four full production singles. singles so we're coming in at 13, thir- maybe 14 singles for the year. 13 to 14. We got ahead of schedule and we released a couple <laughs> doubles. Um, but I was just like, I'm just going to do it. You know, especially, you know, I said like with Anna Sandman, I had that meeting and they're like, you really just don't, you haven't been putting out a ton of music. And I'm like, I've been writing constantly for years and I have all these songs that aren't going anywhere. I mean, I can sit on them till the cows come home or, you know, wait till a record deal and all this stuff, but more than likely going to get a record deal and they're going to give me the songs they want me to sing. So I'm like, I love these songs, so I'm going to put them out while I can. And maybe they'll be what gets me the record deal, you know? So that's kind of the um, direction we went with it, which we ended up releasing three covers this year. Um, And then some of them, you know, were live acoustic versions of the full production songs. So some of them were little doubles or whatever. But um, we're ending the year, like I said, with four full production singles, all original and just going with it. I think next year we're decided we're stripping it down a little. So we're going to probably stick with singles. I'd like to do a record. Um, but the production of getting like a physical CDs pressed is so expensive. And so, you know, if we come out, you know, and we get a full tour booked, then yeah, we'll do another record. But we still have, um, we still got to get a whole tour book to be able to have a record to sell it and pay for a record, you know. Um, But I think next year we've decided we're going to do four full production singles and four live acoustic singles. So stripping it back just a little, only going to do eight versus 14 because I would like to sleep next year. I haven't slept this year because of trying to get everything done. (laughs) So um, That's why you drink the sun drop. Yeah, Uh, sun drop addiction. Sun drops don't work. Caffeine doesn't work in my body anymore. Like, I just need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, as we, we wrap up, you can follow her on, on Dallas Remington Music uh, on social media, DallasRemington.com. I, I feel like, though, at the end of the day, you, you're still you. The sass comes through. The fun becomes through. And in this industry, I don't always feel like that's as easy as it, it can be. How how mm-hmm. cool is it, though, to be able to still be yourself and be able to write about those songs and put those songs out? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I love that and I know I feel like as I've struggled with it and I feel like most artists have struggled with it you're trying to be what the world wants you to be but I know that like me following other artists like you know Garth Brooks is one of my favorite artists and you know that Garth is just to the bone just an amazing human being and you know who he is through what he does and through what he says and you feel like you know him as a person same thing with Loretta Lynn like I feel like you know her as a person especially seeing her live. She gets on stage and she says whatever the heck she wants to say. She don't even care. Her family's sitting back there in the family band going, Mama, you're off subject. And she's like, I don't care. I just love that. And the audience, like, they relate to that so much because we are real people. 
And I feel like as artists, we really struggle to, we feel like we have to have this persona. And I finally just like, I had a, a meeting with someone a few years ago and they're like, well, it feels like, they're like, in summary, it feels like honesty is a really big thing to you. I was like, yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to act like I'm someone I'm not because I'm not an actress. I'm not, I'm a singer. And that's why, especially with me writing the songs that I am, I'm just putting down my own thoughts to paper and, you know, just going with it. It's like, if you have a problem with the way I think, then I'm sorry you do, but this is the way I think. Um, and so, but it's helped me find that there are the people out there. Like, back to Uncommon Man, you know, I didn't think anyone would relate to that song. And, you know, 750,000 streams of an independent song later, people can relate to that song. Um, and so then it was Steal Your Dad. I was like, no, but they're going to think I'm crazy. Three million views later, there's a lot of girls out there that have had this exact same thought. <laughs> so, um, that's just what I've learned. That there's, you're not the only one that feels this way. And we are just humans. Um, even though we are in the spotlight, we're just the same people. We always, that as everyone else. So, you know, I just decided especially over the last year of having to switch to being a TikToker and all this stuff, I'm like, I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. I'm not going to try to, you know, put on an image that the world wants. Because, like, if you don't like me, you don't like me, and that's how I'm always going to be. So I'm a little bit sassy, and I'm a little bit crazy, and hopefully everybody already knows that, so I ain't much of a surprise when they come up to me. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit caffeinated. A little bit caffeinated. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I think that comes through and the, the sincerity, the, the, you can tell you're saying about stuff that, you know, is you, it, it's something that, that you can pull from, or they can see you being part of. And I think that really goes a long way, especially as you try to cut through the, you know, the, the plethora of, of music that's out there. I mean, there's, there, there's something so for everyone. Much and, music. So much music. And I, I guess feel like there's been even more coming out since the pandemic because it's like you don't have to be in nashville now to be an artist so i'm like who are you people where did you come from (laughs) (laughs) but at the end of the day that's where they all want to get to and i I guess my my final question for you is what's one of your biggest goals that you got coming up i know i've seen you talk about being on the opera stage one day maybe what i'm guessing that might be it or is there something else up there for me um that's my end all be all i mean obviously i want to go on a tour and I want to make a career and make music playing country music. That's my, my goal in life, but I will have made it in my mind once I have played the Grand Ole Opry. So that is my, my main goal. And then after that, I just want to make a, make a career and make a life playing music. Um, but waiting still for a call from the Opry. We're waiting, hopefully one day, hopefully, but I'm, um, yeah, that's the that's the main one. And then after that, you know, obviously we'd love to play the Ryman. Um, and then, you know, Bridgestone here in Nashville, just being a Nashville girl now, that would be awesome. Um, but, you know, the Grand Ole Opry is my, my biggest goal in life and always has been. And I'll never forget, like I was talking to some people about this last week, I'll never forget um, when I said that in a co-write one day and someone literally said, what's so important about the Opry? I almost got up and walked away. I was like, because it's the show that made country music. We wouldn't have country music if it wasn't for the Grand Ole Opry. And I feel like the Opry doesn't get as much respect in modern country music as it should be. And for me, the the Opry's end all be all when it comes to country music. That should be the main goal for everybody. And if it ain't, sure as heck is mine. So maybe they'll call me because they see how much I respect it. Maybe, but that is, that's what I want to do. So hopefully, hopefully one day. Well, hey, you're, I, I believe you're on the right track and hopefully one day that, that dream will come true in Dallas. This was a, a blast, a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the, the time and, and sharing some, some stories with me and, some, yeah. and, and a good drink. Yes, thank you so much for having me. 